He was so violent that I, there were weeks where he couldn't go to school, or I would get called immediately as soon as he got off the bus because he would go after other kids. So I was pretty much home with Dustin, um, me and my other sons, which I would segregate in another room while we were trying to get Dustin's meds all taken care of. You know, Dusty would wake up five to 10 times at night um, and call for me, mommy, mommy, and I would, you know, so I wasn't getting any sleep, but I just remember, you know, hearing his voice and, you know, being in bed. And I just, I was just picturing myself when I stepped out of bed, stepping into a puddle of mercy, because it was just morning by morning, new mercies I see, and that's all I could live for was just, I couldn't think of the future. I had to get through that day. Let me get through to what he needs right now. And I just, I couldn't look any further. There was, there was nothing, you know, there was nothing to see, but God is always faithful. You're listening to the Refraining Ministries podcast, providing help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through pain. Here's our host, Colleen Swindoll Thompson. Today we have with us our guest, her name is Amy Robertson, and believe it or not, I've known Amy since she was very, very little. Our families grew up together, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, I would have never guessed, as Amy, I'm sure you probably wouldn't have either, that we would both have sons with autism and with disabilities, and though they're very different in age and in nature, Amy has had a huge life-changing event with their son as they chose to put him into a home specifically matched for his needs. And so, Amy, I would just like you to take over and tell us a little bit about your family and what your path has been like to this point. Okay. Hi, Colleen. Hi. (laughs) Um, Let's start with my family. Um, I've been married. It'll be almost 26 years next month. Um, You got married when you were one. Um, my husband and I, we have three boys together. Our oldest is 24. Um, our middle son is 22. And Dustin, our t- autistic son, is 19. Okay. Um, how can I say? Dustin was diagnosed um, when he was almost three years old. Um, we, Being our third child, uh, <laughs> we weren't as you know, anal or as, you yeah. know, just as watchful, you know, we can, the pacifier falls on the ground. Yeah, there's not a lot of stuff on it. Just give it back. So it's been uh, somewhere. It'll not grow talking, it wasn't a big, huge deal. Our second son didn't talk until he was two and a half. In fact, that was when Dustin came home from the hospital. Okay. That's when our middle son started talking. So we kind of set a bar for two and a half. And sure enough, Dustin wasn't talking at two and a half. And, um, um, Virgil came home for lunch one day, my husband, and let me go to the grocery store by myself. And I, oh, I got so much done, but I was standing in line and there was a baby um, in front of me in a, you know, in the cart. And she was looking at me and she was flirting with me and she wanted my attention and she was smiling. And 
it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was way more than Dustin not talking. Dustin would not make eye contact. He would he would look right through people. Um, we would talk to him, and it was like he was almost deaf. And I realized I started crying in the store, realizing, yes. oh my goodness, oh my goodness, there's so much more going on here. So I came home a mess, and my husband's like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, it's way more. It's way more. I've been I've got so used to his little quirky behaviors, yes. his strange fears, um, you know fears he didn't have fears of things he should have and he had you know just all these little things so i hopped on the internet um even way back when this is the mid 90s yes um, and ended up in a um a board for non-talking um toddlers um and ended up um reading about the autistic society of america and yes. they sent me a little questionnaire um through the mail and it had 12 things to tick off um, for, um, you know, little behaviors and things. And um, I ticked off nine out of 12. Um, things you would never even notice, like walking on your tiptoes and not playing with toys, um, but lining them up or stacking them instead of like cars, you know, by color or by, you know, just all these little strange things. And um, sure enough, um, we went through our school district and he was diagnosed right before he turned three. Um, you ask how it's been for our family, um, and it's been hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been really hard. I, Colleen and I talked, we talked a day or so ago just about siblings and how different it is to be a sibling um, with someone with special needs as opposed to a parent. It's a completely different arena, and I do not know what it's like um, to, you know, have a brother or a sister like that. So it's been I think it's been very difficult um, for the older boys just because we couldn't take family vacations. That's just out of the out of question. Um, there's no going to the movies. There's no going out to dinner. There's no spontaneous anything because Dusty was so tied into um, you know his schedule. Dustin is he's um, actually severely autistic. Um, he has very little speech. A lot of echolalia. Um, if you say hello, Dustin, he'll say it back right with your tones and inflections. Um, he can't talk about his day. Um, you know, he'll just repeat everything you say. Um, he says yes a lot. Did you have a good day? Yes. Um, you know, did you see a flying monkey? Yes. <laughs> Do you love mommy so much? Yes. Yes. Been talking about that, and he's probably about two and a half um, mentally. Um, he's just. Um, you know, he's just my big, eternal, big, hairy toddler, 19, and he's huge and probably almost 200 pounds. And, and oh my gosh, can you believe that came out of me? No, because you're about four feet tall and about two pounds. So I can't even imagine. Now his yeah. behavioral issues, what, what were those like? Because not being able to engage as a parent is a very hard thing and as a sibling it's not only are they frustrated but it's the loss of what they wished they had um what kind of behaviors does dusty have or did he have growing up that yeah. made it that contributed to some of the challenges in your family life he's always obsessive um, especially with me um, even if we brought someone in the home um, to help out he would require everything from me he's just very obsessed but like 
behaviors as far as you know violence or anything like that um, did not appear at all until he was 11 years old. And um, something, I think um, it could have been puberty, um, we weren't really exactly sure what, but something hit at 11 years old and that boy went ballistic. He started turning over furniture, shrieking, screaming, putting holes in the drywall, oh. choking himself, trying to choke anybody that got near him. And, and it just came out of the blue and we would just do everything we could not to um, anger him, you know, just anything that would set him off because it would just take, it could take hours to calm that boy down. And we hadn't experienced that before and it was really difficult. And he had never been on any medications before that. Um, you know, he was ADHD and all that, but we just let him run around and, wow. and, um, he was in a really great um, autistic spectrum program where they had eight students in like three to one. I mean, they had, um, you know, amazing, he had amazing um, a school that knew exactly how to take care of him. And, That's you know, amazing. Wonderful. Yeah, so once 11 years hit, um, we started having to go to doctors and specialists and try to figure out what was going on with him. And and, you know, no one ever was able to put a finger on it. Um, it's just, it was just these behaviors just came out of nowhere and it was scary and he was hurting me. Um, you know, I, I learned a couple little moves, you know, behind arm behind the back and, you know, could pin him to the ground if I needed to. And, um, you know, there were times um, where we were just pouring Benadryl down his throat just to, you know, I'm so sorry. Oh, hon. I mean, it's, it's, that road was a long time ago, but, you know, to see your child so out of control and, and he's so innocent, you know. I know. You know, when a two and a half year old tantrums, you can pick him up by their little arm and you can set him down. But when a 19 year old, big, huge, hairy man tantrums, um, the innocence is there because he has no control, but mm -hmm. it's it's a very, very dangerous situation. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we did, we um, we started having to test a lot of different drugs, um, all different kinds, um, uh, mood disorder drugs. I mean, we, I can't even name them all. It was a while ago and we just went through everything. Um, and I think it was like nine months of, of searching and trying different things that would work for a few weeks and then wouldn't work anymore. And um, we were locking him in his room at night for his own safety and right. we were walking around on eggshells um, until he went to bed, all of us, um, every night. I, I was full-time homeschooling at the time. Dusty was off to um, his special ed, but I was able to have that time with my boys until Dusty right. got home. But until we locked him in his room at night, you know, we had the refrigerator um bolted <laughs> all of our food was in another room locked in a closet because of his um and the medications he was on was making yeah. him really hungry and so it was just all about food 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 um so it was i didn't even realize how much stress and um just the amount i mean just stress and that we were under um, while Dustin was with us and during this behavior um, until he left, you know. Um, can, I, can I ask for a second? Yeah. I don't want to skip over that part of right. the part that makes us both tear up. 
as moms. <laughs> but I want to ask you, what, where was your faith at that point? Because that would be like an overnight experience. Here you've got a great support system with your home, even though the sibling issues are challenging, um, and understandably so. Um, there isn't a book that I have found that is a one-size-fits-all for that, and so wisdom is needed. And as you walk through, especially, again, with the school district being so good, this change in him, what was that like for you spiritually? Well, first of all, the school district was really great, but he was so violent that I there were weeks where he couldn't go to school or I would get called immediately as soon as he got off the bus because he would go after other kids. So I was pretty much home with Dustin, um, me and my other sons, which I would segregate in another room um, while we were trying to get Dustin's meds all, um, you know, all taken care of. Um, spiritually, um, you know, Dustin would wake up five to 10 times at night um, and call for me, mommy, mommy, and I would, you know, so I wasn't getting any sleep, but I just remember, you know, hearing his voice and, um, you know, being in bed, and I just, I was just picturing myself when I stepped out of bed, stepping into a puddle of mercy, because it was just morning by morning, new mercies I see, and that's all I could live for was just I couldn't think of the future. I had to get through that day. I couldn't even think about the next day. And so when I would, when he would wake me up in the morning, you know, three or four in the morning, crying my name, I just, I just pictured myself stepping into that puddle of mercy. Lord, let me get through this moment. Let me get through, you know, to what he needs right now. And I just, I couldn't look any further there was there was nothing you know there was something to see but god is always faithful and i never questioned you know why i had dustin it was i just wanted to forge through and be refined because i knew it was a refining process for me and i i remember begging and asking god to hurry up the refining process right. like, okay i'm patient i'm right i'm okay i'm know, all done with this i'm refined i'm refined i'm refined <laughs> <laughs> aren't i pretty enough aren't i shiny enough yet um i remember that um and my husband he was a rock he was a rock for me where um you know obviously he didn't have to deal with what i deal what i dealt with during the day um but he he was there for me and he was spiritually there for me and it was Virgil it was my husband who made the decision to place Dustin in the group home that was not my decision that was not what I wanted um I fought with him for about a year uh -huh. he would talk about it and I would say he will have to get a bed for me right next to him I will not break up this family right and um which I think any mother worth her salt uh -huh should fight. There was just a time where Virgil came home and he just saw Dustin. Dustin actually, we had found a, a pretty good cocktail um, where he was, he's pretty much sedated um, okay. in drools. Um, that's where he was, but he's still obsessed with me. He's just, Virgil came home and Dustin was right next to me and like plastered next to me and he's just looking at me, mommy, mommy. And you know, I would ask him what he wants and he just didn't want anything. He just wanted 
to like crawl inside of my skin. And Virgil's like, that's it. He goes, you are going to, you're going to lose your mind. I will not have this. Our family does not need this anymore. He goes, I'm sorry. I love you, but I am the head of this family and Dustin is leaving and we will find a place for him and God will find a place for him. And God did. Um, Within two weeks, we had a place within eight miles of our house. That's amazing. That's yeah. That's amazing because what you're talking about, I have talked with, I have spoken with about five different caregivers and they had no placement for the person that they needed to have placement. I have tears falling all over my face. I'm sorry. Uh, I just, (laughs) there are parts of your story that I can relate to. Yeah. And um, one of that, one part specifically is the mother's love. And I think, um, I think what I've learned and maybe what you've learned as well is that as much as you love Dusty, as much as I love my Jonathan, how much more does God love you Uh and he loves me? And those refining fires are to bring us to him, even though we want to be angry at times. And I'm sure there were moments where you were somewhat angry at just the amount of weight and the consistent chaos that that was continuing and then perhaps there were times you were angry at your husband but you chose instead to allow the lord to refine you my whole face is wet i'm sorry (laughs) you know colleen i think that the hardest thing was to watch dustin suffer you know and i and i would i would see him suffer and not be able to express what was going on inside of him. There's just so much going on and that poor boy does not have the capability. And we were trying different drugs and there was one that we tried where his his jaw locked and he was so frightened and I was so frightened. And and I remember that I was mad, um, not at God, but why does that child have to suffer you know, so much? And as a mother to watch, I could suffer for him. And I was begging, please let me suffer for him. Right. So, but yeah, and I think um, so often we forget that we are the Lord's child. And as a child of God, um, very little do we talk about how when we suffer, I think the Lord... I mean, because of my son's so many different challenges that I would rather have so he could be free. Mm -hmm. Um, When we suffer, there is a grace and a mercy, I think, that the Lord feels for us and our human condition. Because we're not in the condition that we were created to be in. And so suffering is a part of the journey that we're on, whether it's from (laughs) autism or, or a disability or whatever. Your tears are as precious to the Lord as Dusty's were to you. And he has not forgotten you. And he has not walked away from you. And he wants you to run to him. And Amy, it sounds exactly like that's exactly what you did. You found a place for Dusty within two weeks. Tell me about what the transition was like. It was, you know, Dustin is clueless. I mean, he doesn't understand what was going on um it was really hard on me i had to pack him up okay yeah i had to pack him up i had to 
I went and decorated his room at the group home. And this is a, a residential facility. We, in a home, in a neighborhood, and there were um, two other little young boys. Dustin was 12 when we placed him. Okay. Um, and um, the day we dropped him off, um, as a family, we we always do things around meals because Dustin is very motivated by food. So <laughs> well, I am too. I understand. <laughs> so we dropped him off at breakfast time, um, and we had taken him to visit and showed him his new room. And I told him it was new, his new room, and he, you know, he, I don't think he understood, but all of his favorite things were there. And so we just dropped him off, and they fed him, and. And we, as a family, we drove down to Virgil's parents, live in Murrieta, um, California, um, which is about an hour south from where we live. And they just, we just went out and had lunch and, you know, just spent the day shopping and just away, just to be away so I wouldn't be home. And and I, I don't even know what day it was. It was a Friday or Saturday, something like that. But, um, you know, Virgil had to go back to work, and my boys um, um, were in school by then. Um, I homeschooled through junior high, so they were in high school by then, and I was home alone. <laughs> and Virgil oh. left me sobbing. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a great year. That was the year Virgil, I mean, we placed Dustin, and I turned 40 like a couple months later. I was like, so <laughs> it was a good year. This um, is all I dreamed of. No. <laughs> Um, so Virgil left me sobbing on the couch that Monday morning and when he came home I was still on the couch sobbing so he would move me to another place where I would sob and that happened for three days and Virgil finally he just said go you need to go take the boys and go actually it was summer they weren't in school it was July um, so I took the two older boys and we took a road trip to Nebraska I have a lot of family in rural Nebraska God-fearing God-loving farmers and ranchers and my grandma was alive then and so I just went it was like going back to the womb and we spent about 10 days there and um, Virgil visited Dustin while I was gone and and God came and um, and did a lot of healing in my heart. And um, how are the and, boys? How are how are the boys? And how I mean, there had to be such a sense of relief that your yeah. experience and their experience, in some ways, were very polar. Yeah, yeah, they were thrilled. Um, yeah. They were absolutely thrilled. And in my my. I don't know advice, but I just, I just once again want to say it's very different than being a parent than being a sibling. They were very, very happy. Um, I think for my sake, and I couldn't see it then, but you know, they had seen Dustin hurt me. They had seen right. what I, you know, had gone through, right. and they were just absolutely relieved. I mean, we could eat anytime we want. The refrigerator got unlocked for good. And <laughs> there's a lot of pluses. There is, and. Um, like I said before, I alluded to the fact that the tension was so thick in our house, but we'd been living with it for so long. I had no realization. I didn't realize um, how bad it was until Dustin was gone. And it took me about two or three months where I, I stopped crying all the time. And someone gave us angel tickets okay. just spontaneously. And we went, which is something we could never do. All four of us just went to a, an angel game. And I sat there looking at them having a wonderful time eating hot dogs. And of course, they started crying because it's something that we couldn't do. But I saw right. what a gift it was for right. the whole family for us to just do something together. And and I had no idea. Our marriage, I thought, was really tight. But I had no idea, yeah. once again, how strained it was until Dustin was gone, just even 
because even sleeping, I was on edge knowing that Dustin would call me at any time. And so mentally, I was always so alert. Like, you know, when you have an infant, you're just, you're, yes. you're just throwing it. But I was, I was like that for 12 years um, right. with him and trying to anticipate every need. And so the freedom that um, our marriage experienced after that and uh, the time that we got with these boys, the older two, and we started taking vacations and God saw something that I didn't see. I was, I fought and he knew what was best and I didn't. And he proved once again that I'm wretched, blind, naked and poor um, because he had all these things to lavish on us. And I, I couldn't see it. It didn't make sense to me. Um, I told you when we talked a couple days ago, it was unnatural. And that was right. That's what I kept telling Virgil. It's it's unnatural to break up a family. It's unnatural to take an 11 year old child and and have him sleep somewhere else and be taken care of by someone else. To me, that that wasn't natural. But the whole healing process and the whole picture that God saw the whole time that my Lord and Savior was planning for us this respite for our family where we could breathe, where we could interact, where it was beautiful and I experienced it and I'm still experiencing it. Tyler and Christian are still in our home um, as they um, are in college and working part-time and and God has been so gracious to let them stay under our roof where we can experience these, these times with them um, that we didn't get um, earlier and by God's grace and his plan, um, it's just been restorative and, and amazing yeah way beyond way beyond what I could have imagined for our family you know Amy you're you're explaining really what it's like to walk by faith because there is no way that you or or anyone except the Lord could know what was ahead and by you choosing to surrender what felt impossible to let go of exactly a whole abraham thing i mean i think about i'm shamed by abraham and his faith because of what god asked him to do to sacrifice isaac he knew he knew what god had asked of him but he knew the character of god so well that i think that he even thought that god was going to bring isaac back to life he woke up early that morning to travel to for those three days he woke up early and i just the lesson that I wanted to get out of that is when God asks us to do something amazingly hard, we should wake up early because we should know him so well. And we should know him enough to know that he wants nothing but goodness for us. Um, he may ask us to travel some really hard, heart-wrenching roads right. along the way. Right. But Abraham got up early. And I also think of Hannah as she wanted to promise Samuel back to God this child that she had as she was making these little clothes to, to take, you know, what she gave him um, up to the tabernacle. Um, once again, I'm shamed by her and her faith. Um, and God did bring restoration to her, um, but she had to give up her son. And, um, and God does ask us to do some really, really hard things, but you think about the son that was sacrificed on our behalf. Right. It's the least that we can do. And to know, like you said at the beginning, that God loves Dustin 100,000 times more than me. And no one on this earth loves him more than I do. 
I don't know even if it's if if it's shame or if it's um, part of being humbled by God's faithfulness to us when we can't see that He's being faithful. And I think so many of the stories that we have in Scripture are there to remind us, and thus they are humbling to us. I can't imagine Abraham. I mean, I've thought about this recently, actually. You know, what if the Lord had called me to do something like that with one of my children? I mean, I would have, I I don't have enough time to tell you how long I would have bought it and said, but you're kidding. And no, I can't. And, you know, on and on. How many excuses and reasons and, and they sound good, but the Lord just simply says, do this. Because I know what is ahead, and you cannot know what is ahead. Right. And that part of it is, um, in fact, Insight has a small booklet called Perfect Trust. And I have it at home, and I read it all the time. I read a lot of things on trust because sometimes it is so much bigger than I can handle. And I hate it. I mean, one of my pet peeves, I don't know if you have this one, but when people misquote the passage, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. You want to go, totally. You want to what? No, totally. It's They're getting their verses mixed up. That's a temptation verse. We'll never be tempted beyond what we're able to resist. And I know you and I both, I hear it all the time. God will never give you more than you can handle. I'm like, girlfriend, I am not handling this. Really? He's giving me way more than I can handle. So I will be down on my knees right. asking him, to do it for me because I can't. We can't. Right. It's not in our power. It's in his power. He'll give us oh, way more than we can handle right. all the time. So he can be who he's supposed to be, God, and we aren't. If I could handle it, then I wouldn't need him. Exactly. And the, exactly. The passage. That's so funny. That is my pet peeve of <laughs> the non-verses. I think that went in what? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Is that in the Bible? Or I don't. Have, well, I don't know how. Those who help themselves. Because I can't misquote scripture, it can't be. <laughs> I mean, I probably do. But the bottom line is, it is one of the most misunderstood passages. Because yes, it's dealing yes. with temptation. It is not dealing with the burdens of life. It is I not agree. dealing with the sorrows or the griefs or the challenges. No, it, think of David. Think of David in all his psalms where he is just bawling, where he has no more tears left. He's not handling it. Right. <laughs> he's, right. he's way beyond his power. He's not, you know, God, that poor man. I mean, he was a man after God's own heart, yet he hid in caves. Um, from Saul and then again from Absalom. I mean, God loved him, yet that man was just tortured. And 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 I love the Psalms because it gives us it yes. gives us the permission to go ahead and cry out yes. and and be weak. And yes. and I love that. And I don't know, Colleen, you and I are both um, number three out of four in our family lineup. Right. And, uh, and uh, for some reason, being there, I just really, um, I kind of flew under the radar um, with, with my parents, and I learned how to be really scrappy and, and strong and capable, and, and that was kind of my, my idol. Yeah. Um, and I really think that this is why I'm rock, walking the road I am today, because I actually took a lot of pride in how capable I was, and I could do this, I could do that, I could... You know, I could do this over here and I can make this over here happen. And with Dustin, 
but there was just nothing. I was I was stripped, um, absolutely stripped, and I I was absolutely helpless, and um, and that's the lesson that I've had to learn um, over and over again. Um, is once again wretched, blind, naked, and and poor, and that's who I am. I'm not capable. I am absolutely incapable. Um, so I let God be. Um, I have to learn over and over again to let God be God and let me just sit here. <laughs> He's so patient with us. I mean, it, I think you know if if someone or something is bugging me and I can get irritated so quickly, and then I think. Colleen, can you just not forget how patient the Lord is with you? And that he is so forgiving and he is just it's like, oh, okay, here we go again. Okay, we're going to have to work on this lesson again. There was one of the, um, I found this little work and I <clears throat> wanted to read it because it's called acceptance. What I'm hearing in behind your words is the fact that you accepted, I have to let go of what I cannot handle. And when I let go, it's out of obedience, not out of weakness. And in order to let go, I have to believe by faith that God has in mind and knows the future, and I don't. And so I'm going to trust him. All of those fall under the word of acceptance. You accepted the reality of your situation. And I know that there are others watching who are in situations that they don't want to accept. And as you said, you fought for a year trying to make it work and have Dusty at home. There are things that we all fight for a very long time, but until we accept that God is God and he's calling us to a different and divine purpose, then the struggle is going to be big. But I found this in this little book I have. It's called Comfort Prayers, and it's called Acceptance. And it reads... It's in grief's darkest hours when we really need to know that only in acceptance can new hope begin to grow. Acceptance, when it finally comes, begins to bring relief. And healing hope renews our soul and strengthens our belief. Light can emerge from darkness when acceptance shows its face. As we allow ourselves to heal through God's own love and grace. Your story matches that identically. Um, I agree. I agree. Are there any passages or words of comfort that you have? Definitely. Um, as I mentioned, my strength I was relying on for a, quite a long time. And mm. I was reading Second Corinthians, and I just want to read it to you. This is Second Corinthians 1, verses 8 through 11. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we were despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. I just want to encourage everyone to know that it is okay to be in despair. I had a lot of people telling me that I shouldn't. Um, oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> There's another pet peeve. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I know we're supposed to consider it all joy when we encounter various trials, but you actually need to consider the word consider. That's a reflection on what has happened. And my joy right now is talking to you, Colleen, and being able to share my story um, because it's a redemptive quality that God has yeah. promised for those who have been called according to his purpose because I stuck with him. But let me tell you, in, while I was going through it, it was not joyful. I'm considering it all joy now because I see the growth. I see what's happened in my family. I see Dustin is very happy, and I wanted to let you all know that. Dustin loves his group home. He loves his room. He loves his roommates. Um, he loves who takes care of him. Our visits with him on the weekend are joyful. Um, and so he's doing really well, and I consider that all joy, all the pain, the process that we went through to get him to that point. I'm looking back, and I'm considering it all joy, and I think that's what truly the verse is. Um, while we're going through it, I'm, you're not throwing a ticker tape parade. Um, it is hard. It is despairing. It is bleak. But God is there carrying us through it, and we can look back and consider it all joy. But just know that Paul was speaking about how he despaired for his life, even to the point of death. And it's okay for us to feel that way and to be in that place, even with God on our side, even with him right next to us. So that's my encouragement to you all out there, that it is okay to feel what you feel. But um, do not give up and do not think that the Lord isn't with you and that he hasn't suffered greatly on our behalf more than we would ever, ever know and experience. I think that's been a great comfort for me to know that as he was wrapped up in flesh, he experienced more pain, more rejection um, than we would ever experience. And so that we as, as human beings can know um, how much he loves us and what he did for us there. This has been so much fun. Well, fun. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Colleen, and I'm happy to share with you. I love you, my friend from ever ago. <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing. Um, I don't know if you know, that's one of my very favorite passages because of the very things that you just highlighted, that Paul expresses the fact that he despaired of even life. Yes. And there are um, moments and seasons where we can and have the freedom to be in that place of despair. It's not that yeah. we want to stay there, but yeah. it is, as Paul talks in other places, creating in us a longing for heaven that we wouldn't have known otherwise. And then exactly. he goes on in the passage that you read to say, that, but there was a purpose in it all, so that I would be able to comfort others in the way that I received comfort. And it sounds like you received comfort, Amy, through family, through um, the Lord, your husband, through God's word specifically. Um, and I think in our churches too, to come alongside and companion with someone, not to tell them, you know, well, they must be so strong or to say those words, but to just be there and say, I want you to know I'm here, I love you, and I'm not gonna go anywhere and I care for you. As we close here, I wanna ask you, if you're going through something right now, will you please let us know at Insight for Living? Um, because we care about the despair that you may feel, the pain that you may be in, and the heartache that you may be suffering with. And we wanna companion alongside with you and bring you hope and return to you. Scripture, as Amy has talked about in our interview today. Amy, um, it's wonderful to know that Dusty's doing well and to know He's that okay. you guys are doing great. 
That's just wonderful. I want to thank you for your time. And then I just want to close and say to all of you listening, please let us know what is it that you are overburdened or heavy laden with. Please let us know so we can come in and help and walk alongside you. Amy, thank you for your time. Bye, Colleen. Thank you so much. You can find the show notes and the resources in our podcast description or on our website. If this episode encouraged you, I would love to hear your story in the rate and review section of the podcast. You can connect with me personally at reframingministries at insight.org. And you can connect with Reframing on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and other media platforms. Please visit reframingministries.com if you would like to explore more of the resources that we offer and to subscribe to our weekly and monthly content. Thank you again for joining us today at Reframing Ministries. Our desire is to provide biblical help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through unique and challenging segments in life. And in order to provide for more people, we'd love your support through prayer, sharing this content with friends, and partnered support. Reframing Ministries and Insight for Living Ministries operate entirely and only on your generous gifts and donations. You can partner with us and donate to Reframing Ministries through our website. The Reframing Ministries podcast is a production of Insight for Living Ministries.